you doing, everyone? Welcome to this episode of the Cajun Conservative Show, where we talk about life, we talk about liberty, and yes, we talk about the pursuit of happiness, and we show the world that as Cajuns do have intelligence. I hope you're having a good day, good week, wherever you are located. Just remember that this is the day that the Lord has made. You should rejoice and be glad in it. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, a lot of news going around and a lot of hypocrisy going around, in my humble opinion. You might be asking well, what what hypocrisy is going on well this is concerning trump's trial dates and it is for it is it is proving just think about this it is proving our thoughts and our opinions on the conservative side that this is nothing more than just a political witch hunt i'm going to use donald trump's words a political witch hunt because the, the these people are purposely setting court dates that interfere with Trump campaigning. Some people might, some people are going as far as far on the uh, side to say that this is election interference. And if it's so ladies and gentlemen, it is, um, this is very dangerous because we, we don't live in a Republic apparently no more. We live in a banana Republic where we say that, Hey, this is the, you have freedom. You have democracy, you have democracy. You, you can, you, you're, you're, you're free to do whatever you want, but it's starting to look like that it, that this isn't a case, but before we go on, I do want to ask you to do me a favor. Please hit the subscribe button or the follow button, depending on the platform that you are now listening on uh, audio side. We're on seven platforms. The big three though, uh, Google, Spotify, and Apple. If you're on those uh, sites, uh, please go ahead and subscribe to us. If you have the option to give us a five-star rating, please do. That helps us out more than you know. Also, you can go ahead and uh, find us on video form on Spotify, YouTube, and Rumble. Uh, Rumble is following. You got to hit the follow button. Uh, then on YouTube, you got to hit the subscribe button and also hit the bell. If you hit the bell, that tells you when the episode comes out and you can watch it also on that note um a lot of you that watch on youtube are not subscribed so if you can hit the subscribe button that would help me out tremendously uh and it's real easy to make a google account so if you don't on a, if you don't have one yet please go make a google account and help us out there to all my faithful listeners that have been there from day one and onward thank you for continuing to support me the cage conservative in this quest to uh, to bring out the truth and expose the lies. I appreciate every single one of you guys. One announcement. We do have Mr. Chad Boyer coming on. He is state rep elect for district 46 in Louisiana. He ran unopposed. So he's going to be on the show uh, in the third segment. So stay tuned for that. Great guy uh, like Chad. And we're going to have a good time with him on the show. All right, let's, so let's go ahead and dive into our topic. As I was saying a while ago, it these trials, it, it, it's funny how this is all working out, okay? It's just, you know, like I said, it just keeps proving our point. It just keeps proving that this trial that was announced on the trial date, I think announced on Wednesday, and all the other indictments and all the other lawsuits that are going on against Donald Trump, it's nothing more than just a, it, it's, it's just a political witch hunt. It, it's nothing more than that. And, and, and look, like I said, when the, the, on Monday, 
It was on Monday, correction. On Monday, when this federal judge set this date of March 4th for the trial to begin, and this trial is estimated to go on before the five weeks. And it starts the day before Super Tuesday, where a lot of states come together. And this is where you're going to get a clear picture of who's the front runner going to be on Super Tuesday. With all these states having these primaries, normally all the candidates in some way, shape, or form are in these states campaigning. They're, they're telling the voters, hey, you, you should vote for me because I, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I am different from him, from her, whoever it is that's running for president. But now Donald Trump is going to be sitting in a courtroom and just, and he has to be there. Because that's another, uh, that's something that they have talked about already. Donald Trump is supposed to be in the courtroom because the judge, God forbid, the judge gives special treat, uh, treatment to a Republican presidential candidate. Now, 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 if Donald Trump was a Democrat, oh, it would have been all fine. Yeah, you, you got to go campaign. Well, your lawyers can take care of everything. A flight risk. Oh, no, you're no flight risk. If this was a Democrat on trial, they would get every pleasure in the book. Every pleasure. Every accommodation. Oh, you're running for president and you need a campaign, but you need to be here. Well, we can excuse you for that day. But Donald Trump, they, they're strict with Donald Trump. They're telling Donald Trump, you cannot go ahead and even leave the courtroom. Like going back to flight risk, remember Jack Smith wanted to make Donald give say that Donald Trump was a flight risk because he might go to Russia and escape because him and Putin's real good pals. That's that that's what's going on in this case, ladies and gentlemen. If Donald Trump was a Democrat, he would not have no problems. Especially now, now we we can't even say that either because look how they're going after John uh, after Robert Kennedy, Robert F. Kennedy. Is asking for debate. He is he's well over the thresholds of debates and money wise and all, but the Democrat Party don't want him to debate President Joe Biden. Why? Because uh, it might, you know, might make Biden look bad, and they really want Biden, the puppet, to stay in office. But it, so that's why I said it. Even if you're a Democrat, you have to be careful because if you don't go uh, go on the lines of the party, well, you're going to be thrown this kitchen sink as well. But this trial, this is, I think, the first of all of them that have been announced. And if you start looking at the dates, now Fox News does a good job with a diagram that shows all the court dates and the campaign dates that are important. And every single one of them, the proposed dates, like this is a set date. March 4th is a set date now. But all the proposed dates are coinciding with, with a, a, a very important political day when you're running for president. And look, going back, if they get the flight risks, Donald Trump can't get on a plane. So Donald Trump has to stay in Washington, D.C. while this trial goes on. Now, this isn't other trials that might cross over as well. Because remember, Donald Trump got three other indictment trials that they have to set. 
Then he got a lawsuit uh, with a, a woman claims that he uh, forced himself upon her. Then you have then you have other small town lawsuits that are going against Donald Trump. So Donald Trump has a lot of legal battles on top of trying to run for president. And all these court dates are coinciding with his presidential run. Is this coincidence? Absolutely not. And why do I say it's not coincidence? Well, it's because the judge who was appointed by Barack Obama compares Trump January 6th case with Boston Marathon bombing and 9-11 trials. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Now, look, granted, the judge has not heard any evidence yet. The judge can have an opinion. I, I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna deny that the judge can have an opinion on the case. But just think, she has not heard any court arguments yet. She possibly hasn't seen no evidence yet. She she hasn't done anything. Oh, to the judge. She's just setting dates to hear this stuff. But this appointed judge, uh, uh, Obama appointed judge went ahead and made the comment that this trial was on the same level as the marathon bombings, the uh, Manhattan bombings, correction, and the 9-11 trials. Now, it could be up to that, that standard, but ladies and gentlemen, she's already comparing this to trials, and the trial hasn't even started yet. If Miss Tanya Cutton is already comparing these... This this arrangement is the, these trials to horrifying events. You don't think she's biased in some way, shape, or form? Isaac, you're a conservative. You're talking like that. No, this judge, this judge is honest. Really? When she's she's she haven't she hasn't heard anything yet. And she's comparing this to main events. Um, this is this is dangerous. Now, on, on another note, me and my brother was talking about this earlier. Um, if this was a Trump-appointed judge or a Bush-appointed judge, and this was a Democrat going through this, oh, they need, to, they need to step aside and let somebody else take it over. They're biased. It's kind of funny when you're a Republican. Nobody's biased against you. Nobody will tell you anything. You know, if you're, you know, the, the judge isn't biased, the jury isn't biased, nobody's biased against you, a Republican, but they make statements like this judge just did. And you're like, well, why don't she recruit, uh, remove herself from this case? Nope, she's, she's honest, she's, she's, she's good, you know, she... But if, if it was a Democrat and a, a, a Trump-appointed judge says, you know what, I donated to his opponent's campaign but i'm honest media will go through the roof how dare he say he's honest and he's he's trying to proceed over this this hearing ain't he biased oh where's justice where's where's the equal rights of the law he should remove himself or herself from the case because they're biased see see how all the democrats get all the aces in the hole and Republicans, you know, they think they got a good hand and the Republic, the Democrats are sliding something out from under their sleeve. A little poco reference right there. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just, this doesn't add up to me.
Now, I know I'm from Cajun country. And, you know, we, we're pretty good at math. And But it's it just, I, I just don't add up. It doesn't add up. That all these cases. And look, I got a full list of all the cases that are that are happening and their times ladies and gentlemen it's it why why these cases have to coincide with every main election day well it's obvious from the judge that she's biased even jack smith jack smith yeah he, he is the prosecutor but jack smith was biased before he got in there because his orders were, hey, find everything. Look under every rock, unlock every door, look under the bed. Hey, whatever you can find against Donald Trump, please find it. That was Jack Smith's orders. Same thing with the two prosecutors, Alvin Briggs and the, the lady from Fulton uh, uh, County, Georgia. They ran on the promise that they were going to indict Donald Trump. Before seeing any evidence, before seeing anything come come out of the uh, out of the investigations, they made a promise, and they were going to keep their promise that they were going after Donald Trump, and they were going to go out, and they were going to indict him. That's that's what happened. That and look, it's not. It's you can't say that. Oh well, that's they 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 thought they planned. No. They they were going after Donald Trump and it, look, I could have came to both these attorneys, these DAs, and said, look, I have evidence right here that somebody just confessed that they were in, they did everything that you claiming that Donald Trump did and Donald Trump is not to blame. You need to look into this. They would have took that piece of paper, crumbled it up, and threw it away. <gasps> oh no, not a Democrat. No, not did it? No, they wouldn't do that. Um, yes they. It didn't matter. They want Donald Trump. Why? Because they're scared of Donald Trump. They're afraid that Donald Trump's going to be the next president. Donald Trump's going to go after them with an iron fist. They're afraid that he's going he's gonna to reveal all kinds of stuff. Ladies and gentlemen, the media, the Democrats, and even some rhino Republicans are scared of Donald Trump. And that's why, they, that's why you have some Republicans... Um, are endorsing these trials and these indictments because they know they're not part of the conservative movement. They're part of the left wing movement. They're, they're liberals just with the R behind the name because they know that's the only way they're going to get elected. And look, it goes to the same. Look, look, unfortunately we have one like that in here, here in Louisiana, Senator Bill Cassidy, originally from Chicago. Made some question of votes. We were like, ah, that's, yeah, you know. But what really tossed it over was the impeachment of Donald Trump. When he said, I don't believe this is constitutional, but I'm going to do it anyway. That was, that, that's, that hurt him. That hurt him in this state. Bill Cassidy should become a Democrat. At least he'll be honest if he ran as a Democrat. But you see, if he ran as a Democrat, he would not win here in Louisiana. And it's sad. It's sad that we, we've come to this point. Very sad. So with that being said, we're going to go ahead and take a break. We'll be right back in a few moments. So please stay tuned for the next segment.
How you doing, everyone? Isaac here. I'm the Cajun Conservative. And I want to thank Brother Lanny Hayes from Hayes' Dump Truck Service for their generous support of the Cajun Conservative and Brothers Just Searching. Hayes' Dump Truck Service serves the Lafayette and surrounding areas. If you have any job that you need done, like cleanup or hauling material to your job site or your home, we haul limestone, we haul sand, we haul topsoil, any type of material you need. If you're in the Lafayette and surrounding areas, please call Brother Lanny Hayes at 337-852-8043. Remember, Hayes is Dump Truck Service, where Jesus is Lord of the company. Cleansed and made us whole. Not one hope, not one soul. All right, everybody, welcome back to the second segment of the Cajun Conservative Show today. Um, a few stories that I, I, I really want to touch on before we get to our interview with Mr. Chad Boyer, uh, state rep elect in District 46 in Louisiana. Uh, he'll be spending some time with us in the third segment. Um, fact check Trump falsely claims he never faced a impeachment inquiry. Now, this is from CNN. This is CNN fact checking Donald Trump. Uh, Donald Trump made a claim in social media. Um, in a social media post uh, a day after House Speaker Kevin McCarthy said in a television interview that launching an impeachment inquiry into President Joe Biden is a natural step forward from current Republican efforts to gather information on the business dealings of the president's family. Now, the reason Kevin McCarthy wants to go ahead and do an impeachment inquiry is because of the stupid stuff that happened with David Weiss and the Hunter Biden case. Remember, Hunter Biden was given a plea deal. That was written that was written by Weiss. Now Weiss has been doing this. He's been investigating Hunter Biden for five years. And it was always drag your foot, look at this. It, it was took five years. And it came to the conclusion, well, we're gonna give him a slap on the wrist deal. Give him full immunity, no jail time, and he would have to do, I think, some community service, which in reality wouldn't have happened. Hunter Biden probably would have hired somebody and they would have went do it for him. Um but David Weiss went ahead and he he gave him a plea hard deal. Just a, just a nice deal. Just, you know, you know, hey, you did bad. Don't do it again. Well, when the judge saw it was full of, uh, it was uh, given full immunity, she said no. And she didn't sign off on the deal. So right after you hear that David Weiss becomes a uh, becomes a special prosecutor and he tells Mayor Garland, the only way I can do my job is I become a special counsel. And now when Congress acts, hey, we want to talk to you about all this. You need to go ahead and give us that information. They tell they tell them we can't. It's an active uh, investigation with a special prosecutor. You can't have it until we wrap up our investigation in a nice little boat. Well, the only way to get around that Congress can is a impeachment inquiry because the impeachment inquiry can go a lot further. Now that, that, that explains why Kevin McCarthy was on TV saying, listen, we need to have a special counsel here. Well, going back to, to that Trump posted on Sunday that Republicans should swiftly impeach Biden without fir uh, first holding an inquiry, which is not a mandatory proceeding to a impeachment vote CNN reported Monday that some members of McCarthy's caucus remain uh, spectacle 
of impeachment and with one lawmaker noting that they have not found evidence of Biden's abuse, uh, abuse, his fa- his office for the family profit. Um, that right there, I, I, see, and this is the thing. I think it was political that also quoted this Republican. Who's the Republican? Oh, that's closed source. Who's the Republican? Who's the Republican says there's no evidence because what we're seeing and releasing and stuff, they, they, it, there's a lot of evidence. Then Trump made this post. He posted on Monday. I never had an impeachment inquiry. I had an impeachment, which I won. It was started immediately. No meetings, no studies, no delays. So going back to this, CNN says that's false. Trump did have an impeachment inquiry. Trump went ahead and the Congress heard, well, somewhat. They they didn't tell you the whole truth on that, okay? Because I remember, I, was, I wasn't there at the Capitol, but I was there watching the news every day because this was big stuff. And if I'm not mistaken, no, I wasn't on the air yet because uh, I was on the air after, on the, on the second indictment. The second indictment didn't happen. They pushed through everything. They just, they just went ahead, hey, forget the, the committees. We're just going to impeach him because Donald Trump is about to get out of the White House. And we need to impeach him before he gets out of the White House. And if not, we're still going to impeach him from not even running for office. But the first in, inquiry that they're talking about was not even a real inquiry. What you mean by that, Isaac? What, what you mean that they didn't have a, yeah, they, they, they had meetings to talk about. Well, it was the Democrats that said, we're going to have our meetings. We're going to hear the evidence, but behind closed doors. So nobody can hear us. Also, it was, <laughs> which is funny. They, they would say, all right, well, the Republicans like, what time and place? And they were like, no, Republicans are not. Well, there's only Democrats in this inquiry so we can hear the evidence is that a real inquiry normal process for for in uh impeachment inquiry is that both parties be present so they can hear all the evidence and they can determine if the person that's trying to they're trying to impeach is justified to be impeached that didn't happen no way shape or form and I remember, I remember the Democrats having closed doors to Republicans. The Republicans are like, we want to be there. They don't want to let us in. Because, ladies and gentlemen, they would, they would let the Republicans in. The Republicans could have went ahead and defended Donald Trump. That was, that was what it was about. They didn't want nobody defending Donald Trump. They wanted they, what they want, and the same thing with the trials right now, they just want people to say he's guilty. They, they, don't, even want defend, they don't even want Trump's defense lawyers in there. They just want... You, the citizen, to say, hey, he's guilty, and that's it. So CNN saying he didn't have an impeachment inquiry? Yes and no. They're telling you a half-truth. They did have a hearing, but Republicans were not involved with it, which made it a partisan impeachment. And ladies and gentlemen, it's just CNN trying to cover up and try to make Donald Trump look like a liar is sickening. But that's the media we live in today. That, 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 that's the media we have today where you can't talk about the truth or they fact check you. But in reality, it, it wasn't. There, there was no really, there was really no impeachment inquiry into Donald Trump. All right. Uh, Steve Scalise, my representative, well, not my representative, but one of the representatives here in Louisiana confirms he has a very, a very treatable form of blood cancer. He announced that the other day. So we're going to keep prayers for Steve Scalise and his family. Um, 
cancer is nothing to play with. Um, I've had I had family members unfortunately pass away from cancer. It it is hard. It is hard on the family, but it's also hard on the person. It depends what type of cancer it is too. And look, it says it's very treatable, uh, according to Fox News. Uh, so Steve Scalise, yeah, he now who is Steve Scalise? You might be asking. He is the I think the majority whip. He's under Kevin McCarthy. And so if anything would ever happen to Kevin McCarthy, he would have the the the, the gavel uh, person to, to say. Um, and then even that, there is some people questioning about Kevin McCarthy's actions on the, the spending limits and stuff like that. So who knows? Steve Scalise could be the next Speaker of the House. But um, very, very troubling. Um, and this is very treatable. So keep him in, in your prayers. I, I thought to, to bring that out because... You know, uh, like I said, cancer is is a hard thing. And even being, you know, I don't know if he had to go through chemo or anything like that, but being a representative in Washington and fighting cancer, it, it can't be easy because you have committee hearings, you have uh, you have other forms of business you have to do. And I think they're out of session right now. So we're going to, like I said, keep them in prayer. All right. Uh, Daily Wire reported nearly 70% of Democrats think Biden is too old. For a second term. And this is from the AP poll. A majority of Americans, including nearly 70% of Democrats, think President Joe Biden is too old for another term as president. About 69% of Democrats and 77% of voters say Biden is too old to serve another four years, according to the Associated Press NORC Center for Public Affairs Research Survey. Only 22% of the voters said Biden is not too old for another presidential term. The Associated Press poll also included a word assessment uh, ex exercise that asks people to give the first word or phrase that comes to mind for GOP frontrunner Donald Trump and Biden. About 28% of Democrats mentioned Biden's age. Even one Democrat who said he approved of Biden's performance still called him senile. D uh, Democrats said they prefer or preferred the term Mentioning Biden's age over president, leader, strong, or capable. Ladies and gentlemen, nearly 70% of Democrats, not Republicans. I heard, I think, 90-some Republicans said that Donald, uh, that, that Joe, Biden, Joe Biden's age was a concern for them. Look, it is a concern for me. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I have issues with Biden's age. I have issues with Donald Trump's age. But ladies and gentlemen, when when 70 percent of your own party think you are too old to run, what does that tell you about the election coming up? Now, Biden might spin this and say, well, 70 percent says I'm too old, but majority of the people said they would vote for me if I'm the nominee. Well, that that is a given. Whoever's the nominee, the, the parties normally back up. But ladies and gentlemen. This man is at the time when he gets elected, if he gets reelected, it'll be he'll be 84 years old. This man falls asleep in summits. This man slurs his words. This man trips on the smallest thing. This man needs to be at home resting. He needs to leave office. I'm not trying to and look, I'm not just saying that because I disagree with his policies. I, I'm I'm really concerned because I made a whole episode talking about 
age. And I'm going to mention someone else later on, uh, Mr. McConnell. We're going to talk about him a little while because there's a lot of buzz going around with Mr. McConnell. But this man, this like I said, I would not imagine my father being 80 years old, still driving a dump truck or operating an excavator. Or, you know, when my father turns 80-something years old, I'm going to be almost 50. And my sons are going to be in the age where they can operate stuff if they could choose to go that way. But ladies and gentlemen, I, like I said, I don't imagine my father being 80 years old running a dump truck. Well, Isaac Cole has hard labor. I, I, want my, I want my father fishing on the Atchafalaya Basin. I don't want my father working. And I don't want a president that's over 80 years old running the country. Unless, unless they, they prove that they're, they're, they're capable of it. We can go that route because like Donald Trump, a lot of people say, well, Donald Trump, he's 78 years old when he's president. Yes, that is a concern. But if this man takes a mental test and shows that he's capable of running the office, okay, you can have that argument that he's capable. Biden is not capable. Biden is not, Biden, the only thing Biden's capable of is sitting in a lazy boy recliner and watching ESPN or watching C-SPAN, whatever one he wants to watch. Ladies and gentlemen, you have 70% of Democrats. I'm not even talking about the Republicans. We already know what the Republicans think. We already know what conservatives think. 70% of Democrats say they, they, they he's too old. And even with the word salad poll, they said, hey, first word comes to mind when you talk about Biden. They said old, incapable. That is Democrats saying this. Not, that ain't, that isn't, that isn't all overall America. Even if it was overall America, I would like to see that. I don't know if they have that on there. Oh, let's see. I don't know if they have the overall Oh, well, that's a good poll, too. That's a good number. Meanwhile, about 74% of voters say they think the country is heading in the wrong direction, according to this poll. Biden's favorable rating has been floating for months now. About 52% of America, uh, about 52% of Americans say, currently say they have an unfavorable opinion of the president. The poll finds on that note, it's just <laughs> this poll is not good for Joe Biden, but. Ladies and gentlemen, 70% of Americans, according to this poll, believe that Joe Biden should not be in office. He is incapable. All right, let's go on to the last story before we go ahead and visit with my good friend, Chad Boyer. Uh, McConnell freezes up again during a Kentucky news conference. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the second time within five months. That McConnell is is on the stage. He's talking. He's taking questions. And he just freezes up. I mean, he's. I, look, I watched the video. I watch, it, it's disturbing. Okay, it, it, when this stuff happens, look, and it's just not with Republicans, but when Biden does it, when John Featherman has an incident on stage, or he has a word salad. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, McConnell should just retire. And I watched it. It's disturbing. You have this man that was just talking. They asked him, did you hear the question? He's like, yes. He can't even move his mouth. And look, uh, I remember Rush used to calling Mitch McConnell the turtle on his radio program. And he's even slowing out. This is the leader. 
of the Republican Senate. It, it is disturbing. Now, we don't know how old Chucky Smith is. But all these men are old. They, they, they need to get out of office. Even Harry Reid. I didn't like Harry Reid at all. Harry Reid had enough sense to get out of there before he went senile. Ladies and gentlemen, it, this is disturbing. And why, why Mitch McConnell don't want to get out? Because he likes the power. His family likes the power. To be the leader of the Senate is very powerful. Well, not the leader of the, just the leader of the Senate, but um, the leader of the Republican Party in the Senate. On that note, he's the, he is the longest serving Republican leader in the Senate. And it's funny how this all came about too. The question that was asked was on his thoughts for running in 2026. And didn't this happen? Ladies and gentlemen, I, I don't think Mitch McConnell should run. I, to be honest with you, I think Mitch McConnell should enjoy his old age and get out of office. He is not running for president. He is not running for anything else. He needs to go enjoy his life. That is my, if I had a chance to talk with Mitch McConnell, that's what I would tell him. Not to run for four more years or six more years in the Senate. It won't work. I just, I, 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 this bothers me when I see older politicians going through this. Now, with that being said of this episode of him freezing up, there is news articles from Politico um, well, this is an exclusive that they're asking. Well, this is exclusive to political again. I'm going to say, um, GOP senators weigh special meeting on their leadership after McConnell freezes. Now, ladies and gentlemen, like this should have been done the first time and happened when he freezed. The, cause look, there were some questionable things that Mitch McConnell did. Let, let, let's go. Let's talk a little bit about him a little bit because we got a little bit of time. Mitch McConnell. Yeah, he didn't freeze up until the first time in five, or like uh, five months ago. That was the first time he froze up on the podium. But there was a lot of questionable decisions on the last election for the Senate. He didn't push hard for Herschel Walker. Well, yeah, he did. There was some other. It was. It, I didn't say he pushed hard. He endorsed him, but I don't think he pushed hard to win the Senate because anybody could have won the Senate. Uh, Kevin McCarthy now did a real good job. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of candidates didn't win, but he still won the house. Kevin McCarthy won the house. Uh, Mitch McConnell really didn't push that much. So that's a questionable decision. Um, th this is a lot of questionable decisions that Mitch McConnell done in the last couple of years. And does this tie to this freezing up? Yes, it does. And look, I just, I don't know. Let, let's pray for Mitch McConnell. Same thing as Steve Scalise. We should pray for him. Let's pray for Joe Biden. Pray for all these people that are mentally disabled or not, not say mentally disabled, excuse me, uh, mentally challenged, um, physically challenged, whatever you want to, whatever word you want to put in there. But these people, these, these people need to stop worrying about the power and give it to somebody younger. I think it's time for a new generation of younger conservatives to jump in there. But Kevin, Kevin, uh, McConnell, uh, Mitch McConnell. I'm getting them mixed up. Freezing like this, this is scary. That we have leaders on both sides that that are fighting to remember stuff, fighting to speak. These are our leaders. 
And it's scary when you see one freeze on a podium. It's, it's just, it's horrible. We need new leadership and we need it now. And you can go listen. I did, like I said, I did a whole episode on older politicians running the country and everything like that. And then we mentioned their sicknesses and Mitch McConnell was one of them. So with that being said, we'll be right back in a few minutes with Mr. Chad Boyer. Please stay tuned for that interview. Again, we'll be back in a few moments. So stay tuned. Cheers and good on you, boys and girls. My name is Scott Ford, and I have a show on Rumble. It's the Scott Ford Show, all one word. The Scott Ford Show, all one word, and it's on Rumble. I'd be very happy if you went ahead and subscribed, like Isaac. I'm a true American-loving patriot. Thank you, Isaac. God bless. Enjoy your life. All right, everybody, welcome back to the third and final segment of the Cajun Conservative Show today. And I am proud to have in the studio with me another elected official this week. He is state rep elect in District 46, Mr. Chad Boyer. Chad, welcome back to the Cajun Conservative Show. This time, not as a candidate, but as state represent elect. How you doing? Good. I um, uh, really appreciate you uh, having me on. Uh, I really enjoyed our conversation last time and looking forward to this one. Yeah, man, I think it's going to be a different this time. You know, last time you were talking about your candidacy and why you decided to run. Uh, but this time is all different. Um, you did have an opponent in the race, uh, Mr. Jason. And uh, unfortunately, for family reasons, he had to step aside. And um, that left you um, left you the long ranger in the race. And nobody came up at the last minute to try to uh, come and run against you. So, Right. And now, you know, we will... Um we were blessed. Uh, you know, you two years ago when we started this campaign, if someone would have said, hey, you know, you're going to go unopposed, I would have said there's no way. Open seat. You know, we we kind of anticipated five or six running. Uh, but I've always said we literally put together a team that I truly felt was the best to give us the best opportunity possible. And our plan was pretty simple. We said, OK, listen. We're going to get in front of the 43,000 residents in District 46 as much as possible so that we can listen to them, listen to their concerns, listen to their issues. And we're going to surround ourselves with the best team possible. And I'm going to tell you right now, we would have not been successful like we were if we didn't have the team that we had. Yeah, and your team was pretty uh, pretty good. Y'all y'all came to one of our church events, mm -hmm. and we had a lot of people that came meet y'all guys and talk to you a little bit. And you did tons of cookoffs. I, I, yo yo, you got a good cooking team. I'm gonna tell that. I've been to a few of them where I was. I, I made per I purposely went stop at your table. So <laughs> we uh we actually my wife and I sat down the other night. We literally counted, and we in two years did 91 cookoffs of wow. events or benefits in District 46 and. Like I said earlier, look, it, it was always my plan. I said, you can't really represent people truly in Baton Rouge unless you get to know them. And on the on the reverse side of it, I want them to get to know me. So those opportunities, every opportunity we had, we said, look, let's go. We're going to go. We're going to get the opportunity to listen to all these people. Let them tell us. And 
you know, across the board, across throughout District 46, um, the issues are very similar and there are some differences. Uh, I think I said it the first time I came meet with you, you know, the problems in Melville are completely different than the problems right. in Burbridge. And you're not going to know those problems unless you get out there and sit with those people and give them the opportunity to tell you what their issue is and what their problem is. And that was our goal all along. And, and listen, we our team stepped up time and time again. I could never thank them enough. I could never thank the people in District 46 enough for the hospitality. I mean, they would they opened us op, welcomed us with open arms and we got those opportunities to just sit and visit with them and let them get to know us and it all worked out for us. That's awesome. So so let's talk about qualifying day because like we said it wasn't announced until I think the day before qualifying that uh, Jason Dozier was not going to run. And before that, you're expecting a race. You're expecting, okay, two months after qualifying, we're getting in, we're getting ready for October to still campaign, still do that. After you had, after you got word that Jason dropped out, were you on pins and needles expecting somebody out of the blue just to show up at the qualifying station and ask, Hey, I want to run for state rep. I think we, you know, I don't, I don't want to say nervous. I, I think no matter who the opponent was going to be, um, we had established ourselves. We were in a very good position where we were. And um, honestly, I think our cooking teams were probably a little disappointed <laughs> <laughs> because we had so much stuff scheduled in September and October. And I think in their minds, they thought, okay, well, if Chad goes out of pose, we're not going to do it. Well, guess what? Surprise. Yeah. We're still doing it. Awesome. So <laughs> there's no, nothing changed for us. So, but, so I'm getting inside source that I better show up at a couple of cook-offs. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Um, I will say this. The Thursday was pretty uh, – Pretty, you know, kind of, you know, I was, I was just nervous because I was sitting there going, okay, you know, on the Wednesday we went in, we qualified. Um, Thursday, you're sitting there waiting to see what happens. And at the same time, you're, you know, for me, the night before, I'm, I'm already thinking about transition. I'm already thinking about, okay, listen, we go unopposed. We're in. What, what's our next step? We need to get the ball rolling. I, I don't, I've said it from day one. I don't want to waste any time. I want to walk in the first day and go to work. So, right. You, you start anticipating that just in case you don't know what's going to happen. And then 4.30 on that Thursday, you know, nobody qualifies and you're sitting there going, okay, the next phase. You know, of course, like I said, cooking-wise, nothing changes. <laughs> uh, but you start thinking about the next phase. You start thinking about what you want to do. Uh, what are the things that we need to go to work on the quickest? And so that's the last couple of weeks have been about that. I got you. Uh, has uh, Mike reached out to you, uh, representative Yuval? Yes. So Mike and I spoke uh, actually the Friday, uh, okay, very briefly. But um, again, you know, it, it's going to be a very easy transition. Um, Mike and I will work well together until you know he's out and I'm in. So that's going to be an easy transition for us, and just uh, excited, like you know, really ready to go to work and and do whatever we possibly can to make a difference. So on that note, getting ready to go to work, uh, you know, 2024 is going to be an interesting time. You're, po you're possibly going to have a Republican governor, uh, one out of the five. We don't know who it is. It, it, the polls are leaning more towards Landry. Mm -hmm. um, we have a heated Senate race. Uh, we have Mr. Uh, Blake Miguez here yesterday. Well, at the time of this recording yesterday, and he talked about his vision bringing the bringing the state more conservative mm -hmm. and i know you chad we've talked multiple times and we you know i know you have a conservative side are you are you going to bring that conservatism 
to the to the uh to the legislation legislation because we we've had the good old boy system mm-hmm. and we're at the bottom of everything good and at the top of everything bad and that needs to change so are you going to bring that conservatism to baton rouge absolutely and listen we have an opportunity of a lifetime upon us um you're gonna have a republican governor you're going to have a new speaker of the house you're going to have a new senate president we're going to have a super majority in the house i i, I feel it I, I, and so we're going to have an opportunity of a lifetime that hasn't been seen in louisiana but the possibility of a super majority in the senate too correct so i i get excited because of the things that you know of course we want to do but i get even more excited because we're about to have a setup that's going to be extremely favorable for the state of Louisiana and what we can do to make things better, to stop being at the bottom, you know, to stop being 50th and everything like we've been for so, so long. So we're looking forward to that. And, um, you know, we're, we're fortunate that we get to sit back and just watch everything play out. And I truly believe that it's going to play out in our favor and it's time for us to go to work. Time to go to work, time to go to work. So it's still going on that note of bringing conservatism to that because like i said this is a different conversation that we had before i want to ask you know what is your plan going in there and one of those things i've been asking every candidate that's has sit in that seat or has joined us on the virtual side i i think louisiana we have and look props to everyone that's running for governor i think any of them will be better than john bell or sam wilson but we have five candidates in there chad uh your race we had three candidates at one point and y'all all republicans and look to y'all credit none of y'all bad mouth anybody y'all y'all stayed on the issues and you know thank you for that because i don't see politicians doing that too much but i i think we're needing we we're needing to go into a primary system some type of open primary where us republicans choose the candidate or having closed primaries. What are your views on that? And if a bill would come up to do closed primaries, where do you stand on that issue? I agree. I think we should have the opportunity to elect the Republican that we choose. Um, it's, it's caused us way too many problems in the past. Uh, when you look at what we've had the last eight years and the reason why, um, it's, it's time for us to go that route. Yeah, and look, I understand why we came to the current system we have now. Uh, it was because Republicans didn't have a chance back in the '80s and the '90s, but now it, the Democrats figured out a way to how figured a way out to win elections by sitting back and letting Republicans beat up on mm-hmm. one another. Right, and listen, negative campaigning has always been a problem, and I'll tell you right now, traveling throughout District Forty Six, talking to my constituents. One of their biggest things is it turns them off. Right. It's it's not it doesn't work like people think it does. Uh, in my opinion, it's a waste of time. Listen, if you truly want to get elected by people, you sell yourself. You go yeah. out there. You show them your resume. You talk to them. You get let them get a chance to know you, and then they make simply make a decision. I think you know everybody wants to make campaign and personal. Uh, for me, it's always been listen. I'm gonna pitch myself. I'm going to ask you to interview me for the job. If you choose to, great. If right. you don't, it's okay. You, you, everybody has their right to vote for who they want to. Right. And, and that's that's the thing. Look, I'm not against. I don't know if we talked about that the last time we used it. I'm not against you saying, like, let's use me, for example. If 
if I would run or something like that, you can say, well, look, this is where me and Isaac different. This is what he believes. This is what I believe. And I think my way is the better way. I don't see nothing wrong with that. But if you come out and say, well, Isaac, he's a, he can't talk. He's ignorant. He's stupid. He's the, that, that's where people, that's not, that's not campaign anymore. That's insult. And that's, you know, we, unfortunately, we've seen that with John Stroder right now. John Stroder ran an ad that went against Wags and went against Landry. It's his money. He can do what he wants, but the problem with it is, I just I don't I don't like that type of campaigning. You, John's probably different than Wags and Landry. It's just I think we need a we need a primary system, like you said, where us Republicans get together and say, look, we think this is the best choice, and not lean on the LA GOP. I I agree. I, I totally agree. I think it's time for us to go to it and let the people decide who the best candidate is on both sides, and then the people make a decision. Uh, you know, I, I've always said this and. I said part of the reason is egos. Yeah. What would it be for four or five guys that want to run for a particular seat to sit down in the room and say, hey, look, how about we simply run a poll? Whoever the top guy is, that's who we're going to run. The problem is egos. Yeah. You, know, you, you get an ego involved and, well, no, I think I, I think I can do better or whatever. And, that, and it is. I mean, it's human nature, but it, it's tough. And it makes it hard on the citizens and – Sometimes we don't get the best outcome. Well, Clay Shake Snyder and um, I think it's Kusong that that uh, that's what Moon calls him. I don't know if that's his name, <laughs> but uh, but the House Speaker and the Senate floor Speaker, that's how they were chosen. They the conservatives went one way. They're like, well, we think we should have that spot, so they went across the aisle, and now look at the trouble we got for the last two years because we didn't have the right leadership in position to go the conservative way. And that's, that's what's dangerous. You said eagles. That that was all eagle mm-hmm. thing. Well, we've been in here longer, and we think we should be the ones in that spot. And that's part of the issue, too, is that sometimes just because you've been in a position for a long time doesn't mean that you're good at that position. Joe Biden's a good example. Right. <laughs> Prime example. So you also have to look at, okay, listen, just because a guy's coming in, and I'm just going to use this as an example, but, as a freshman senator or as a freshman representative doesn't mean that he wouldn't be good in a key role. Right. Uh, sometimes new is better. Uh, so there's a lot of things that I think we need to look at. Um, there's going to be a lot of interesting things happening. I'm, I'm I, again, I'm beyond excited about January and seeing what's going to transpire and hoping that everything falls into place. Like I really think it will and that we can get some work done. District 46 has been unfortunately put on the back burner a lot of legislative sessions what do you see in 46 that needs to get done and that you're going to push in this up well in next august or not next august the march is march the next session. March, uh the next session what do you see you can go in there and do for district 46 well i think the key is going to be also i mean like we talked earlier i mean who your governor is going to be who you speak at the house is going to be who your senate president is going to be um, also, what committees you're going to be on? Uh, you know, you you have to look at all of that comes into play. And normally, you know, you, you have to. One of the biggest things I always found is that the lack of communication. Uh, reps and senators, bet all of them have to do a better job of communicating with your constituents. I can't tell you how many times we'll we'll have a conversation with someone, and they're complaining about a certain situation, and you go, hold on, but that's not how it is. This is how it works. And they simply don't know how it works because uh, I wish I had a magic wand and could say, okay, <laughs> you know, I'm just going to touch on roads because that's right. what the number one thing is. Okay, all these roads are going to be fixed. 
But when you go to a DOTD meeting and there's $15 billion worth of roads that need to be fixed um, throughout the state and your funding is $1.2 billion, you know, and that's not including some other funds, but there's a, there's a pretty significant gap. Now, I can tell you this, the new governor coming in is going to have some hard decisions to make because of the fact that what happened last session and the budget at the end. Spending cap. So if you do look at the budget, and I'm going to tell you right now, it's kept me up at night. <laughs> <laughs> um, two years from now, we could be in a situation where we really, funding-wise, are in a bind. And I, I said this the other day. I said, uh, for people who don't understand everything that goes on, if you don't have the funding to do it, they simply say, well, he got elected, he didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. The problem is we put in, we were put in that situation. Right. So the governor's going to have some hard decisions to make. We're going to have some hard decisions to make. But I can tell you this. Um, across the board, I know what the issues are. We're going to do everything we possibly can to find funding to, to try to get to fix the roads, of course. But And I've said it from day one. I, I truly believe the state of Louisiana is in an education crisis. When you have one student from UL graduating education last semester from our area, we're in a we're in a bind and it's not just teachers pay i mean there's there's a whole list of things why people don't want to go into education anymore and it's hard for us to attract business to the state of louisiana if you don't have people that have the skills or the education to work right. for those companies so there's there's some things that we got to fix and it's not going to be an overnight fix i truly believe that we're going we're fixing to have the right people in yeah. place that are going to be able to come up with the ideas to fix a whole bunch of things. Um, we're just going to have to back those people and say, okay, let's go, let's go to work. So with that being said, you mentioned something about, about working with your Senator side. Like we say, we have a heated co- uh, contest with the Senate, uh, Blake Miguez, Hugh Andre, and three other candidates, which I don't even know why they threw their name in the ring. Uh, <laughs> uh, but Blake and Hugh has got most of the attention in this race. So one of them, Either they're going to go into the runoff and it's just going to be them two, or my 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 prediction, I think Blake is going to win it outright. He got a lot of support. Uh, I could be wrong. I've, I've failed in predictions already. Uh, but if it is Blake or Hugh, will you have that that connection with them or that relationship with them to say, look, this is best for our area. Let's work with this because they're just not going to have District Forty Six. They're going to have District Forty Nine. They're going to have this. They're going to have other districts around that area that they're going to have to deal with. But will you go ahead and have a conversation with them? Say, look, let's meet on a regular basis to see what's best for our districts. Absolutely. And listen. So first off, uh, know Hugh and Blake well, and I think both of them would make great senators. I'm actually where I live. I'm actually in Gerald Boudreaux's district. So Gerald's actually my senator oh okay so the way it falls in district 46 i just when they did the redistricting so i'm extremely fortunate um because whoever wins for um 22 i already got gerald i'm gonna have them klein peter uh senator klein peter is up in my northern portion of my district i'm extremely fortunate hey you got three but how's it gonna fall so I can tell you right now, uh, as soon as that's all done with, yeah, I'm going to meet with them as soon as possible and say, okay, listen, you know, whatever I can do to help you in the house, please let me know whatever you can do 
to help me. Um, you, you have to have that relationship. And you're going to have to have that relationship with the rest of your, you know, the Cadiana delegation, for, for example. So those years that I worked session way back when, I, I, I've said it 100 times, you know, you, you have to realize from the get-go that you're one rep out of 105. Right. You can't get anything done unless 53 people vote. So you got to know who is like-minded conservative like right. you are and go and say, hey, look, I need help. I, I right. need this in my district, and, and this is what we need. So that's not going to be an issue for us. And you're going to have, like, I, I, I know I'm probably tooting his horn a little bit, mm -hmm. but, like, Blake, Blake's been in there for eight years. So to have a senator that knows what you go through is, is, is pretty key as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you don't, look, and I can't tell you how many reps that um, have reached out to me Hey, Chad, if you need something, let me know. Um, I have a really good um, relationship and friendship with Bo. And you lean on those guys because they do have the experience. Because, you know, listen, you're not going to walk in the first day and know everything. You're yeah. not. You're just not. So you know that the guys that have the experience that have been there, that you can lean on them and say, okay, listen, when you came across this, <laughs> what was your situation? And, look, it's going to be totally different for us. Again, they had eight years of right. a totally different administration. We're going to have a totally different administration. It's going to be different for us. It's like the freshmen going on with all senior class. That That's, that's exactly right. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be good. Um, one more thing before we go, uh, because we do have an issue with ex-migration. Uh, possibly won't have another congressman. We're going to have to redistrict ourselves to have a U.S. congressman. Uh, it would be sad to lose somebody like Clay or Mike Johnson or somebody like that. How do we, like you mentioned, you briefly mentioned it earlier. How do we fix that? How do we get, how, you know, cause look, there is some companies, they would love to invest here, but they see the trial lawyers. They see the, they see how the, the state government is with marshlands and stuff like that. How do we fix that? And I, honestly, I, I go back to education. I really think education is the key across the board. I think once we could, once we do fix our education in the state, it's going to create other things, other opportunities for us to be a whole lot better off. Um, insurance is killing us in the yeah. state. It is. It's killing us. And I, I look, and this is a personal experience. Um, as a director of safety for the company, uh, in 2020, Liberty Mutual walked in, looked at us, and said, "Hey, we can no longer insure you. We operate in six states." And when I asked why, because we had a good safety record, our workman's comp was good, our auto was good. And when they look at you and tell you, you operate in six states, but because you operate in the state of Louisiana, we can no longer insure you because the average fender bender in the Baton Rouge area is costing us $100,000. Wow. We got to do something different. And, and, and listen, tort reform, what was done in the past was not nearly enough. So... It starts, in my opinion, look, we got to get better at education. Education can help us across the board, but we've got to do a better job of, one, trying to attract more insurance companies to come in here. Uh, homeowners insurance across the board, anybody you talk to, their homeowners insurance has gone up, including mine. <laughs> Auto insurance is through, through the roof. roof. So those are the things that we've got to do and we've got to do them quick. We, we can't waste four years. We can't, we got to do it as soon as we possibly can to not only help the citizens here currently, but to keep people from moving out, to go get a better job in Texas, to go to Florida and get a better job. We got to try to keep our people here. And look, I use my daughter as a perfect example all the time. She's a student at UL and 
she is going to get some opportunities once she graduates to go out of state. And she's not. She's staying here, and I'm thankful for that. But I don't ever want to lose her to another state. You yeah. know, I want her here. And we're going to – that is one of our big things that we're going to work on, and I really think with this new administration coming in and everybody that's going to be there that we'll be able to do a – we'll have a big impact on that. You think Tim – I think Tim Temple is running on a post, correct? Yes. Okay, so he – and look, we got Tim Temple's number. I need to give him a call. I mm-hmm. met him already. Real mm-hmm. good guy. Um, he's also a conservative. Do you think that's something we were missing in that insurance commissioner spot? Because Tim, like I said, Tim Temple, he wanted the job four years ago, lost it. Mm-hmm. Now, with the current insur- uh, insurance commissioner retiring, Tim Temple walked in there. Nobody, nobody wants that position. That is, that, that's a tough position. Yes. I, I, it really is. I mean, because of of the position that we're in, and and because of the past the commissioners in the past we've had some issues i think tim's gonna do a fantastic job and i think he's the right guy the right fit for all of us that are coming in and i think we'll be able to make some changes that's good that's good so chad you know you know tell the voters you know what what you know your final thoughts on the race uh going in if you know if somebody met you on the street told you congratulations uh now what's next what what would be your final thoughts to somebody you're talking to I simply tell everybody thank you. I can never tell them thank you enough. Um, the opportunities that we got throughout this whole campaign, uh, I think my wife said it best the other night. She was like, can you imagine like, how many people we met that we've become really, really good mm-hmm. friends with that we will never met on this campaign trip? Right. Um, as many nights as sometimes you get home and you'd sit down and say, wow, what a day. And I'll tell you this funny story before we go, but Two and a half years ago when I sat down with my wife and I said I was going to run, she said, listen, Chad, I don't know anything about campaigning. I don't know anything about politics. You just tell me where I need to be. And it was last year. We had three cook-offs in the district in one day. And her and I left at 6 a.m. and we got home at midnight. And the next morning, her and I were getting ready to go to mass. And she looks at me. She says, you know, you forgot something. And I said, I forgot something. What are you talking about? And she said, when you told me you wanted to run, you forgot something. I said, what is that? She said, I put in a 12-hour shift in the <laughs> ER at Women's and Children's. And she said, yesterday, we worked 18 hours on this campaign. So, and I told her, I said, that, for me, and listen, I, I love it. I enjoy it. I, I said, it was that's part of it, you know. And, and so we have this running joke, you know, about well, the campaign, you put in more hours than a shift at uh-huh. the hospital. But, again, I would just simply tell people, listen, thank you. Um, I'll tell you this right now, everywhere we went, everybody would always say, man, y'all are everywhere. Y'all working so hard. That doesn't stop. We're going to work as hard as we worked on this campaign in Baton Rouge. I know days there, look, there's going to be days where we're going to leave the Capitol and we're going to shake our head and say, listen, we just, (laughs) we had a rough day, but we will never stop fighting for the people in district 46. I can tell you that. Well, I will say this and you, you know, you, you, you already, know it but this is a friendship that formed from your campaign as well that mic's always open for you and uh i know you're probably gonna be hearing from me if a bill comes <laughs> up so you and know that's now, what now it's now all I got about a contact at the house that's <laughs> what it's all about though yeah. though seriously though, I, and, and i tell people all the time um you know the other day at the brewery for the gubernatorial uh, gubernatorial uh, forum i told the owner because they bought up some stuff that had come up i think either last session or session before about breweries and i told him i said listen if that's something like that, look, you're in my district. You pick up the yeah. phone and you call me and say, hey, look, this bill's coming up and it's 
good for me or, or it's bad for me. Because at the end of the day, listen, it's not about Chad's opinion. Okay. It's about the citizens of District 46 is their opinion. Um, and I've always said it. If 50% plus one call me up and say, Chad, this is how we want you to vote. That's how you vote. And, and you'll never get yourself in trouble that way. It's about those 43,000 residents in your district, period. That's a lot of work to do, Chad. But you're gonna be. You, I think you're gonna be up for the challenge, man. You're you you worked it as a state trooper, but now you're gonna be yeah inside it'll, the. It'll be a little different. It'll definitely be a little different. Well, Chad, thank you for coming on, man. And again, that mic's always open. And uh, like I said, this is a good friendship. I hope it stays a good that way. You know. Well, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'll be back. You'll be back. Hey, that's good. That's good. Chad, thank you for coming on, man. Appreciate you. All right. That was Chad Boyer. He is the state representative elect for District 46. Great guy. Uh, keep him in your prayers. Uh, we always say that. Pray for our elected officials. And with that being said, remember that Jesus Christ is king and he's coming back and he's coming back soon. So don't be fade of heart because Jesus has overcome the world. If you want to know Jesus, your Lord and Savior, reach out to us here at the Cajun Conservative Show. Uh, the Cajun Conservative 5 at gmail.com will tell you how to meet Jesus your Savior and heaven your home. That That's all the time we have for today, ladies and gentlemen. So until next time, be blessed, be encouraged, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Cajun Conservative Show. You have a good one. That Jesus Christ has risen and he